The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Friday edition of the Leach Report. Not a football Friday in this area because the Wildcats have the week off, but it is a Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday as the World Thoroughbred Championships are being played out at Keeneland. So we'll talk a little bit about that on the show today with uh, Tom Hammond, who hosted so many Breeders' Cups for NBC, Uh, Dick Girardi, College basketball writer, turf writer will be with us. And in between, we'll talk some UK football with Justin Rowland as we get to our Wildcat news of the day. And you knew in 2020 it was just going to be perfect weather. Was for the Derby, is for the Breeders' Cup. Supposed to be around 70 today, maybe a tick or two higher tomorrow. And uh, when you watch the coverage on NBC later today, um, my guess is, from what I've heard, you'll see when they do crowd shots, maybe 2,500, 3,000 people. Uh, if you have a horse in the race, you can get, uh, I think, a limited number of tickets. If you're a breeder of a, of a horse, uh, you can get uh, even fewer tickets. And uh, sponsors, I'm sure, uh, get some, and then that's it. So uh, it's a, uh, a tightly controlled atmosphere out at Keeneland for a Breeders' Cup. Should be some fantastic racing, though, over the next couple of days. Let's get into a few other items of news today. Uh, CBS's John Rothstein had a couple of noteworthy tweets yesterday. Uh, he, number one, said the SEC schedule is likely to be released today. I think I talked about this when we got back from Missouri, that uh, I was talking to uh, a friend out there in the uh, Missouri uh, side who uh, said they had heard that sometime on or shortly after November 1st it would be released. So um, that's uh, looks like that's going to be the case. Maybe we get a look at the SEC basketball schedule today. At least the plan, as we know in, in this year, uh, everything is subject to change. And then Rothstein also tweeting out that Kentucky-Kansas in the Champions Classic will be played December 1st in Indianapolis. There had been some thought uh, at uh, one point that they might, play this game out in Lawrence, but looks like uh, Indy is going to be the choice, and again, hopefully we'll uh, get the schedule finalized here soon with Kentucky slated to tip off on November 25th, uh, most likely against Moorhead State. Uh, UK is planning for a Big Blue Madness without fans and a pro day without scouts. That is so 2020, but that is uh, where we are. Both will be shown on the SEC Network. Uh, the Pro Day is going to be on the 12th, uh, Big Blue Madness on the 20th. I think I, I saw in UK's release where the uh, scouts, or if it wasn't in this release, it was somewhere else where scouts will have a, a different uh, access to a different feed that will show them the whole court because obviously they wouldn't want to just watch the TV coverage. Um, so Kentucky will get to have its regular Pro Day. It's been having for recent in recent years, and then uh, B, uh, BBM, uh, Big Blue Madness, will maybe get a look at a scrimmage. I'm guessing that would be a nice treat for the fans on the twentieth, just five days before the season is slated to start. 
Uh, again, on the uh, U.K. basketball theme, uh, not a whole lot of news out of football this week since the um, Wildcats have the week off, um, or have the week off from games, I should say. They have uh, practiced. Uh, Kyle Tucker has a story out at The Athletic. Uh, Kyle was on with Ryan. By the way, thanks to all the guys that filled in for me this week. It was nice to take a few days off. I think it's the first time I'd taken more than one day off since July of 2019 because as the basketball season ended, we rolled into this pandemic and um, figured I had to be stuck at home most of the time anyway, so might as well keep doing the show. No, Didn't take any vacation time. So uh, anyway, thanks to those guys for uh, pinch hitting this week. Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, who was on with Ryan on Wednesday. Um, he has a new story out at The Athletic, which uh, you should check out, uh, with some behind-the-scenes info on what's happening for the Wildcats basketball practices. Uh, A lot in the story about how Cal is rejuvenated and how watching his guys in the NBA this summer, and he had a lot of time to do it because he couldn't travel, uh, has impacted his thinking and some tweaks to how Kentucky may play, more of an NBA type of uh, style. Um, Even, you know, five out looks and uh, more open open court. So, um, We'll, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's an interesting read. You can uh, check it out at The Athletic. Uh, and if you're not a subscriber, good reason to do so. B.J. Boston uh, in the story. Uh, one of the quotes from a source uh, who's seen a lot of practices. One of the best we've had in years at Kentucky. And then uh, a lot of buzz about Isaiah Jackson. Maybe the biggest surprise of this latest recruiting class. And a feeling that he was uh, underrated by the uh, staff. Uh, how good he, that he is, and last guy I can remember that, this much talk in that vein about was Shea Gilgis Alexander, and that certainly uh, proved true. Uh, Draft Express um, came out with uh, some tweets yesterday about the NBA Combine. One of them being that Emmanuel Quickly uh, was top five in uh, several of the shooting categories. Uh, I think was top ten in uh, in one, top five in most of the others. Three point shooting. Um, uh, free throw shooting, um, etc. So happy to hear that for Emmanuel. Got some thoughts on uh, from the Breeders' Cup. A few horses that uh, we'll give you to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll get to that over the course of the show. One piece of news out of the Breeders' Cup I saw on Twitter. Uh, one of the top contenders in the Breeders' Cup turf is getting a new rider uh, to Narwa. Uh, she is one of the top favorites for the Breeders' Cup turf tomorrow, and her jockey has tested positive for COVID, Christophe Suleiman, so she's getting a new rider for the race tomorrow. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on our Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Tom Hammond will join the program when we come right back. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And the folks at Wild Eggs asked us to give a shout-out to the East East Jessman Middle School football team. Beat Boyle County last night to take home the Salt River Championship. So congrats to those guys. Uh, We'll be right back on the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back into our Friday show to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And we bring on Tom Hammond. You remember him certainly from uh, 
NBC Sports for many years, but uh, Tom, uh, my producer, Shannon, uh, said that your appearance here reminded him he, he needed to get his petition going to get you and Larry Conley to call at least one U.K. game a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do it. I tell you what, we had such a good time that uh, we would be uh, more than willing to come back for a game. And uh, I did those for 30 years, Tom, and it was it was so much fun traveling the South with, with my friend Larry Conley. So, uh, yeah, anytime. That would be fun. We'll have to see if we can figure out some way to uh, to make that happen. I haven't seen Larry in a while, but I'm sure uh, he he loves to play the uh, the races as you and I do. So uh, I'm sure he'll be tuned in for Breeders' Cup. And five years ago, you were on the coverage when we saw the first Triple Crown winner ever compete in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and it was American Pharaoh at Keeneland and a smashing win. And, um, and, and you know, you've had a lot of highlights in sports that had to be up there pretty high, I would think, to be in your kind of your, your home venue. Oh, we'll get to reconnect with uh, with Tom. Um, he, in 95, 96, 97, three years, maybe in four years, in 98, too, uh, Tom got me on the NBC crew as a, production assistant uh, helping out with breeders cup and uh, it was such a blast and got a chance to to see behind the scenes uh what uh, how, how tremendously respected uh, he was among all those nbc folks tom i was just saying that um that 2015 moment a triple crown winner competing in the classic and Mer- american fair wins it and it was kind of at your home track so to speak yeah. keeneland had to be one of your uh, more memorable moments in your career i would guess Definitely was, Tom. I mean, I was lucky enough to do 13 Olympics and so many other sports all across the spectrum, but that ranks right up there. In fact, when American Farrell won the Triple Crown, it definitely is one of the, the top five moments of my 34 years at NBC. But uh, 2015, you know, I broadcast, I guess, I haven't counted exactly, but about 30 Breeders' Cups, starting with the very first one. And uh, to my mind, that was the best one, the one at Keeneland. Now, I'm biased. I know I'm by uh, Keeneland I love, but uh, it was just perfect. Um, I mean, everybody was gloom and doom beforehand. He's, oh, it's going to be too small, the, the parking, the traffic, and all those things. It was perfect. It worked perfectly, and uh, Keeneland got all sorts of kudos. And uh, for my money, of all those I've done, it was the very best. And the, the cherry on top of the Sunday was when American Pharaoh won the, the so-called Grand Slam when he w- took uh, – uh, not only the Triple Crown, but the Breeders' Cup Classic as well. So a perfect day. It looks like perfect weather for this uh, this year's edition, too, although no fans. And uh, and thankfully, the Breeders' Cup is going to come back in a couple of years because of that. Yeah, well, man, what a tremendous turnout it would be with this weather. Uh, I have a picture in my office of uh, a shot from above the the tunnel where the horses go out to the track from the walking ring and there was just massive humanity there as pharaoh's going out and then uh, i remember the the wide shot of nbc uh, as he's coming down the stretch and you could just see the people which you don't typically see obviously just around the rail up at the top of the stretch and uh right. it was a, a you know just for for horse country to get this event uh, at keelan was uh, really a very special weekend well this is home this is his home you know uh uh, most of the thoroughbred uh, industry in the United States is based here in Kentucky, so it is the Breeders' Cup. And of course, it was it was here that uh, John Gaines hatched the idea of the whole thing. So it's only right that it should be held sometimes in at Keeneland, which is uh, close to the heart of Kentucky's breeding industry. This summer, we did a broadcast out at Keeneland, uh, and one of the elements of it was uh, having 
Shug McGahee, who's a huge UK sports fan, and, and Mark Stoops, who's become a big racing fan since arriving here, to uh, get them together to kind of interview each other about their respective jobs. And uh, you know, I, I'm guessing you you uh, see a lot of similarities between coaches and, and trainers that you worked around and with through the years. For sure. And uh, I think that the, a trainer is like a coach. The only difference is the horses can't talk to you. So they, they you have to understand. Which could be a blessing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to understand what, uh, you know, what they're trying to say without them being able to do it. I can remember uh, uh, there was a man named Eugene Klein that owned a bunch of horses and won race after race after race uh, with Wayne Lucas as his trainer. He also owned uh, the San Diego Chargers. He said one time that owning horses was much different because after they won a big race, they didn't want to renegotiate. So um, there are uh, there are similarities, of course. And, uh, uh, you know, to being a trainer of a horse, you have to get him to peak at the right time, which is a coach you want your team to do. And you have to, uh, you know, have all those similarities. And I imagine you picked uh, two of the best, uh, Suge and, uh, and Coach Stoops. Uh, I bet that was a lively conversation. I'm sorry I didn't hear it. Yeah, it, it was uh, interesting, um, and um, Stoops uh, had, uh, there's one line in there that he used that we see play out with his coaching sometimes, and I'm sure it's it's true with trainers. Stoops said when he got uh, into coaching, a good friend of his said, you've got to have a really good plan when you're a head coach, but you also have to have a good gut, meaning to trust your instincts, and Baffert as uh, an example, uh, is a guy that I've uh, heard is, a, you know, really follows his instincts a lot. You know, he maybe sets a plan for a horse, but, you know, he might change up something in the training even close to the race if he senses it's needed. Right. Well, Kenny McPeak sensed that the Swiss skydiver was ready for a big for Good performance, so put her into the Preakness where she beat the boys. And then coming to the Breeders' Cup, uh, thought the better uh, spot would be to go in the distaff. So, yeah, you, you use your your gut sometimes as a horse trainer for sure and take a quick break here come back with tom we'll talk a little bit about uh, the races uh, coming up this weekend today and tomorrow out at keeneland 14 of them in the breeders cup and it's the leech report radio network can't get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show 26 past the top of the hour. Chat with Tom Hammond here on the Leach Report. Uh, hosted uh, so many Breeders' Cups for NBC, uh, including the last one here at Keeneland in 2015 and uh, all the other uh, Triple Crown races over the years in addition to so many other uh, memorable events in the Olympics and elsewhere. Um, Tom, let's uh, get a, a couple of quick thoughts on this year's Breeders' Cup races uh, in the classic um a lot of talk about it's one of the, the best fields they've had in a while. Who do you like? I agree that I think it is one of the best uh, fields uh, in a long time. Maybe, uh, you know, ranks up among the, the top four or five ever. Uh, I think Tom's Daytona is being uh, overlooked a little bit. Uh, his older horse, I guess this is his last race. He'll go to stud after this, but he's uh, he's won at Keeneland, and he's won against top competition. Taking on some good, especially three-year-olds, of course, but I think that uh, – I think that uh, don't look past him. Uh, six to one on the morning line. Baffert's three, of course, will be formidable, improbable, authentic, and maximum security. It's going to be interesting to see if maximum maximum security, who had that memorable Derby disqualification, if he can come back and win the classic. That would certainly say that he was the real deal. And um, 
of course, uh, improbable comes off the big win, authentic. So you've got uh, lots of lots of things to talk about. The authentic, the Derby winner this year, and of course, Tis the Law, who was the favorite in the Derby and who was tearing him up earlier in the year, and then had the bad race. So we'll see now if he can come back. He's he's uh, three to one, so he is the favorite, the lukewarm favorite at three to one. Uh, I think Barkley Tag, his trainer, didn't care for the post position draw at post position number two, uh, but. It's going to be see how interesting to see how that three-year-old fares against the older horses. So all kinds of subplots going in the in the classic itself. How do you who do you like? I like Tom's Day Tie as well. Um, I, um, I well, think it's a death, I guess. For yeah, I guess so. It's it's really kind of interesting. The uh, uh, it, the preparation has been real similar to blame uh, with the same trainer Al Stahl. He won the Fayette and the Clark Handicap uh, the year before and then came back and everything was pointed toward peaking for the Classic and Blame uh, did it in a you know, memorable renewal there to hold off Zenyatta and uh, we'll see if, if Tom's Day talk can pull it off. What about the, the battle in the distaff? we got the three-year-old Swiss skydiver who won the Preakness against the boys and you got Monomoy Girl who's, I think, raced 14 times and she's only been beaten to the wire once. Um, disqualified in, in another one, and I think the other 12 are wins. Um, can, can the uh, youngster beat the older mare? I think she can. Um, I, I think it's going to be a wonderful battle. Like, I'm looking forward to, to that one. To the, you know, over the years, the distaff has uh, often been the best race of the whole lot, and uh, so I think perhaps it, it has the best, uh, potential of being the best one this year, although the classic will be hard to overcome. But, uh, yeah, the battle between uh, those two that you mentioned, uh, Swiss Skydiver, if she can run back to what she did in the Preakness, I think she will be awfully tough to beat in there. And she's the, she's the what, second choice? Monopoly yes. Girl is the, is the favorite, breaking from the outside. And, uh, so take your pick on those two. I, I don't really see any great upsets coming from the others in the field. And that one, I think it's down to those two. Tom, I appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the racing over the next couple of days uh, when we are all spending a lot more time uh, at home. <laughs> at least it's great to have that that going on this weekend. To talk about something other than the election. so it's, Yes, uh, that's uh, welcome, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, I owe a lot to the Breeders' Cup. It was the very first event I did at NBC. And uh, when, when we were off the air, they said, would you be interested in doing any other things for NBC Sports? And it lasted the... Uh, 34 years, so I owe a lot to the Breeders' Cup. Thank you, Tom Hammond. Okay, thanks, Tom. Halfway home on the Leach Report. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. What a beautiful Friday as we roll into the second half of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. And uh, we'll start with Kentucky football. It's an open date for the Cats. Uh, a little welcome break from the all-SEC schedule in terms of the, the toll it takes on their body physically. And uh, for this team, Justin, I'm sure the break comes at a good time for an emotional reboot too, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they haven't looked like they've had much of a pulse on offense for a little while now, really for a lot of the season, but it's really come to a head in the games against Missouri and Georgia. And I think just the toll of 
of those struggles and maybe some of the fan frustration and maybe some of the internal frustration, it was a good reset point where they could reevaluate what's working, what's not working, let's scale things back and find what we're good at and try to finish strong. So I agree with that. They had less of a passing attack last year, really, um, than they do this year, and yet uh, with Bowden in the and I, and I say that once once Bowden became the quarterback, and uh, yet they became one of the most potent teams not only in this league but in the the country really. Um, so, what's so different now in terms of the struggles of the passing game? I think it's both the struggles in the passing game and even I would say the rushing game. You know, they're they're running it well with Chris Rodriguez, but. He's not breaking off those 50-yard touchdown runs that Lynn Bowden was last year. It's not as – I mean, the running game last year was like a triple option explosive running game. You're getting those chunk plays out of the running game. And they're moving the ball, but they're not getting those scoring plays out of the running game. The passing game this year, I just think it's – I mean, I've said I think the receiver play is the number one issue. Uh, We don't have the all-22 footage, but my understanding is that – teams are able to just go straight man coverage and lock them down. And that allows the defense to be very aggressive. They don't have to think as much. They can get after the run game. They can commit a safety if they need to. Uh, But the quarterback play has has been so-so to mediocre. And the pass protection, even Stoops has said, has not been as good as the run blocking. So it's a whole system thing. Probably didn't help that last year they only did the running game. It was kind of backyard football. So and it's a whole lot of things, but I think the receiver play has got to get a lot better. And is that something that has to get a lot better through development of guys that are there or through guys that are sitting out or that are on the way? I think recruiting is the number one thing that has to improve. That's not to write the guys off that they have. I, I think there's some optimism about some of the younger guys like Michael Drennan and Isaiah Cummings. They had a couple setbacks and preseason camp and they would have been farther along than they are right now um but uh recruiting keeping these guys on board is essential i mean i I think the root of the issues goes back to the 2017 and 2018 recruiting classes when they made they made some some evaluation and recruiting and selection decisions that just have not panned out and there's already been some attrition from those classes and, uh, you know, they're they just going to have to cycle in a new wave of players for, I think, the receiver play to, to dramatically improve, and that takes time. There's been some element of, of frustration among fans uh, with respect to Chris Rodriguez, and uh, they want him to get the ball more and to be the featured guy, et cetera, et cetera. I think you touched, though, on one thing, that the reason uh, they uh, are, make sure to keep A.J. in the mix and maybe eventually in the – latter part of the season it could uh be uh, mclean and or a tisdale too is that chris isn't a guy that's going to break off those home run runs whereas aj does and you know those other two guys have that you know home run hitter ability yeah that's totally true i mean rodriguez is playing really well i mean pro football focus has him graded as the best running back in the sec for the season so there's no knock on what he's doing but a couple of things He's not a receiving threat out of the backfield. You can see they never throw to him. I think A.J. Rose is somebody they like throwing to. He's a really good receiver out of the backfield. Rose is also a threat to rip off a big play. And when you don't have a passing game, any passing game to speak of, you know, 
Rodriguez is running well, but he's not a threat to break off the huge run either. So those are a couple of things that, um, I mean, we saw the Georgia game. He was getting five, six yards, dragging the pile. But it's almost like Georgia's defenders were extending their hand and putting it on your head and saying, okay, you can go this far, but you're, you never really sensed Kentucky was testing them defensively. And there was no threat. There was no threat of them scoring, and that's why Kirby played conservatively. He knew that they couldn't score. And so I think Rose still has a place in the offense for sure. You're a Cardinals uh, fan in baseball. I mean, um, back in the Whitey Herzog area, they were a great small ball team. And that's, you know, can, but they you know, didn't hit a lot of home runs. They had great pitching. Kentucky's playing really well defensively. That's, that's kind of what they are when you don't have the big play, right? Where you have to kind of be a small ball team, which is hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and defensively, Kentucky is a pretty vanilla team. They don't, you hear all the coaches that talk about Kentucky in the week up to the game, they say, they do what they do. They play straight up. They're not going to let you beat them over the top. They're going to make you drive the field. They're going to be sound and keep everything in front of them. And that's kind of where they've been as a program. I think they would do more defensively. You'd see more press man. You'd see more aggressive play if they thought they had the offensive weapons and firepower to get into a shootout, but they just don't feel that way. Missouri executed a, a really a tremendous offensive game plan. It was like a ball control balance passing attack that, okay, you're not going to let us beat you over the top. We're going to take everything underneath and control the ball for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, and Georgia, you know, they're – they're just able to run the ball really well. So, you know, I think there are a couple of winnable games left on the schedule in the second half. I think they could play Florida tough. Um, but, yeah, they got to figure some things out offensively to take a step forward. Going to get to a quick break and one more segment with Justin. It's at Roland Rivals on Twitter, catsillustrated.com on the web for Justin Roland of Cats Illustrated. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. UK uh, just put out a uh, release a few minutes ago about the uh, capacity for Rupp Arena and some ticketing options. If you're a, a ticket season ticket holder, you'll be uh, getting some email an email here soon. I would assume as they will uh, reach out. It uh, just not, nothing that's uh, unexpected here, whether it's in Rupp or in the Coliseum. Fifteen percent of normal capacity is what they're going to have. That's what we had heard. But uh, Justin, the fifteen percent. As we chat with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com, uh, that 15% is participants. It's you know players and coaches. It's you know concession workers. It's media, etc. So um, you know that that all goes under the. It's not just 15% of fans plus all those others. Yeah, obviously, with it being indoors and with cases spiking so much, I don't think this should come as a surprise to anybody. I mean, I'm still in the, I just hope we get the season played mode. You know, I yeah. don't think there's a whole lot of room to complain about indoor capacity given the circumstances right now. Back to football, what do you think, how do you think it plays out with the quarterbacks? You know, I was under the impression that it was kind of going to be the Gatewood show for the rest of the year, but I had a couple of conversations yesterday that led me to believe that you know, Wilson's injury issue and his status with the program has been resolved enough that um, it wouldn't be a shock if he gets another opportunity this week. I had somebody say he's won a lot of big games for us and seemed to be laying the groundwork for, you know, him being put back in as the starter. You know, I think what we saw with Gatewood is that 
you know, we haven't seen anything with Gatewood that, that makes you think he's not going to be part of the answer down the road. But we've also seen enough to know that Wilson was, was probably not the main problem with the offense before. And as a senior who, who's won a lot of games, he probably deserves a chance to finish strong. And I think that's kind of where they're at. Um, do you think many guys will take advantage of the extra year of eligibility to come back for another season, even if, say, they're a senior? I don't think many will. You know, one of the first names that came to mind for me was like, well, might Luke Fortner come back? I've heard that he's, you know, just a great student, just a really smart kid. He's probably going to move on to something bright beyond football. Um, but Devontae Robinson is somebody who, who was mentioned to me who would be a prime candidate to come back, probably going to come back for another year. He was playing at a really high level. In 2018, Devontae Robinson was, and he had the injury, and he hasn't quite been at the same level that he was at. And he, he, there was a lot of rust. He was kind of rushing back to, to get on the field this year. He, he, he could really help his NFL stock with another season. So I think Devontae Robinson will be back, maybe one or two others, but he would be a big addition for the secondary because if you get him back to the level he was at back in 2018, he could be kind of an all-SEC kind of player. So that would be pretty big. Yeah, that would uh, that would be a nice uh, nice addition. They're gonna they should be uh, really really good defensively. Other than uh, Bohanna, will be a big loss. I think we've seen that since he's been out with this injury. Yeah, yeah. McCall, McCall, Marquan McCall has done done some good things. I mean, he gets good push into the backfield, but you can kind of. I think what you've kind of seen is that doing the unsexy stuff just sitting there and you know playing gap assignments and taking up two blockers is actually an art in bohanna it's not just about blowing up your guy and getting into the backfield and um he's going to be tough to replace he'll be in the nfl next year and uh they have not been the same run defense without him but i think you know i think those young defensive linemen isaiah gibson justin rogers they haven't graded out that well according to pro football focus this year but they would look differently if there was a typical non-conference schedule, if, if, if the year were more conventional. And I think they're going to they're gonna adjust and improve pretty quickly and become big factors next season. Do you think with this week off that guys like uh, back to the wide receivers, Drennan and, and Cummings, are you hearing that they might get a little more of, a, of an opportunity? I think they will. I think it'll be, it'll be gradual, incremental. Some people notice that, that Drennan was first team on the depth chart, but he only got like 11 snaps or 15 snaps or something like that, so he wasn't actually playing like a one. And, you know, it's just a hard year to throw a true freshman into the fire, you know, against the number one defense in the country, probably the best defense in the country. You just got to be a little bit more gradual and think about their development and what they're ready for, what they can take on in the playbook. But I think you are going to see Cummings and Drennan gradually get more time. One, one hopeful thing for the offense is the tight ends have quietly been more involved in the passing game. I think Keaton Upshaw has quietly, in spite of the drop in the end zone, had a good season. He's been the best matchup problem that they have in the passing game, and he's got a couple more years. Justin, thank you much. Thanks a lot. Justin Rowland joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kentucky Hemp Works is more than just CBD. It's a family-run Kentucky Proud operation where they grow the hemp in their fields and they process it on site. So they oversee the whole process, turning it into CBD oil and hemp root salve for those sore muscles. Uh, hemp seed oil that you could cook with. A uh, couple of uh, hemp seed products that 
to help you catch more fish. Check it all out at KentuckyHempWorks.com. And check out their YouTube channel, too, for some really cool videos about their operation and what uh, the hemp industry, how important it could be to family farms here in Kentucky. That's uh, their hemp homeschool. Just type that into the search box on YouTube. We'll be right back with the Leach Report, Radio Network, and Dick Girardi. Final segment of our show on this Breeders' Cup Friday. As Keelan plays host to 14 World Thoroughbred Championship races on the uh, main track and the uh, uh, turf course, which should have firmed up quite a bit finally with this nice weather this week. Dick Girardi joins us courtesy of betonline.ag. We catch up to uh, Dick before a lot of the big races and uh, get some good uh, good info Um Dick's been with the uh, Buyer Speed Figure team for, for many years. Uh, and there's a, a interesting horse today from the Buyer Speed Figure standpoint uh, that is generated quite a bit of debate. It's in the Juvenile Phillies race where you've got uh, a couple of horses that uh, came out of the uh, Alcibiades here at Keeneland. you got a Bob Baffert filly named Princess Noor who is just blown away everybody she's run against, but her speed figures aren't as fast as her rivals. So uh, I'm guessing you, uh, being a speed figure guy, would be playing against her today. I am going to play against her, uh, Tom, but with a little bit of trepidation, obviously, because of the connections. Uh, It's Pop Baffert, and you watch her workouts. I watched just about every workout for every horse and all the 14 races that I could. I had three at the very top of my list, and one of them was Princess Noor, so I'm not quite sure what to do about that. But you're right, the numbers are accurate to the point where Bob Baffert actually called Andy Byer and was wondering, but the numbers are good. She's just not as fast, at least not yet. Uh, but, yeah, yes, I'm going to have to bet against her, but I'm not sure I'm going to be right at the end of the day, but we'll see. Well, if if I'm uh, listening to our conversation and I heard what you just said, I would say, okay, who were the other two workouts that impressed you? Uh, Vquist in the in the same race uh, really impressed me, and improbable was the maybe one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, wow. His work last Sunday was incredible, and he's been working like that over and over and over again. Uh, I, look, I think he's. Pr- He's most likely to win, but, man, as you know, Tom, that is such a great race with the Derby winner, the Belmont winner, last year's Derby winner for 20 minutes, maximum security, Tom's Daytona. I mean, the classic is just loaded. So who do you like in there? Have you taken a stand yet? I ended up picking – yeah, I picked Authentic uh, on the theory that he may be able to get loose on the lead, but I'm I'm already wavering that I might not – I didn't feel real confident making that pick. Um, I I will say this. I think the – you know, there's so many good horses in there. I'm probably going to try to beat Tis the Law because I'm not so sure he's going to be as comfortable inside horses as he is outside. And if you look at his lines all year, as good as he's been, he's never really beaten a good horse. And now all of a sudden he's got to beat, I just mentioned, improbable, maximum security, authentic, who he couldn't beat in the Derby, uh, Tom Stata. He's going to have to beat all of them to win. That's a, that's a hard way to go. Let me ask you for um, two or three horses that you uh, really like, but not just from the standpoint of you know this is a you know best best chance to cash uh, a ticket, but sure. best plays of you know relative to what the odds are and what the chances you think of the of winning are. Who are the some of the horses you're kind of focused in on? Right. So I, I like a Bartha a little bit in the um, 
in the uh, juvenile turf. Um, it's going to be 12 to 15 to 1. Uh, ran second at Cleveland to a really good winner, Mutazabek. Uh, and I think he'll get overlooked. I thought had a really difficult trip when you watch the videos. And I, 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 do I, do I, am I in love with the horse? Would I bet a lot of money on him? No. But just as, as you mentioned, Tom, for the price that you're going to get, I, I think the horse is, is extremely live in that race. Uh, anybody that, um, that there's a, whether it's through workouts or, or some other buzz about that is, you know, flying under the radar that has a much greater chance of winning than maybe uh, might be reflected in uh, public opinion. Yeah, one of the interesting horses. I mean, there's there's just so many of them. But in in the uh, in the classic, you know, Tom Stata has it run since August first. Um, so you know what's going on here. Obviously, his last race, he had no chance. He missed the break, and his other races were really really good. He's not generating a lot of buzz. I think is you know it's the old out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but I, I think he can win again. It's not going to. It's going to be very difficult. Improbable again is the most likely winner to me of the classic, uh, but I think he's one that's a, a little under the radar. That maybe is a little better than than what your uh, what the, what the exact expected price will be. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how you have to look at the Breeders' Cup. It just gets some value for your opinions. And if you think a horse should be seven to one or he's seventeen to one, go ahead and bet. I mean, that's that's the game. Yeah, that's why I always tell people on this day, don't be afraid to be bold. This is the time to uh, take a big shot because you could get rewarded. Uh, Dick, thank you so much for the time. Good luck this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. It's Dick Girardi and longtime turf writer and college basketball writer for the Philadelphia Daily News, coming to us courtesy of betonline.ag. Birthday today, Duran Lamb celebrating a birthday today. And this day in 2009, John Wall played in his first Game as a Wildcat. It was an exhibition game. They beat John Calipari's alma mater, Clarion, 117-52. to John Wall went for 27. Um, let's get to a couple of Breeders' Cup thoughts. Uh, today, of course, I like best on the card is Essential Quality, uh, who won't be the favorite. Jackie's Warriors, the big favorite in there in the juvenile. And for a long shot in the juvenile Phillies, uh, Crazy Beautiful, 20-1, to I think is an interesting play. Tomorrow, um, Tom's Data. I know uh, Dick said he thought he's get the horse is getting overlooked, but you certainly wouldn't know it from listening to our show. <laughs> His name keeps coming up, and that's who I like to win the classic. Couple of uh, long shots to keep in mind for tomorrow: Sally's Curlin in the Philly and Bear Sprint, Frank's Rocket in the Sprint against the Boys. Good luck. We're playing the Breeders' Cup. We'll see you Monday. To the Leach Report, make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com.